Last week, Namaste. Last week we had, uh, as part of Sri writings, we have been with Karmi Yogin, which is Collected Works of Sri Volume 8. And we just touched a little bit of it, or rather most of it, but still there are some very significant passages which indicate the way things were happening. It was a time when outside revolution was taking place, but within Shurabindo, as we can see, a massive shift had already taken place. And in that process of shift, his whole approach to the whole thing changed. This is the very amazing part about Shurabindo, that he is always ready and willing to renounce an immediate gain for a much better long-term future. This is uh, characterizes him. So we see that Shurabindo's Thoughts about politics, about the way freedom would come when he is, um, before going to the Alipur jail, before the Nirvana experience are of one kind. The common theme is Swaraj, the common methods are there. But suddenly after he comes out, there is a certain degree of shift. And the shift that we see in Karm Yogin is that, as I was mentioning in Bande Matram, that is also God's movement, but he is in the background. But in Karmi Yogin, God is in the foreground. And everything is seen from that perspective. And Shurabindo very clearly reveals to us that if you really want things to be rooted in the truth of Indian spirit, then the political leaders have to be yogins. They have to be people who are practicing spiritual life and not just drawing some ideas. So this is where the difference lies that uh, we can draw ideas from a great scripture and try to apply it. But it is not the same thing as when we try to live that experience, even the effort to live that experience and then bring that truth into life. There is a world of difference. So very often we see that, for instance, in the field of education, when we see people speak about integral education and they speak about uh, all the physical, vital Mental and psychically and <laughs> spiritual. What happens is that because unless one has really realized the psyche or at least made a significant effort towards it, it will remain completely a mental process. So I've seen people even, you know, taking out like a handbook, a kind of guide. It doesn't work like that. It's too vast, though it's a being no bigger than the thumb of man, but it's too vast to be captured by any mental process. So, uh, it's, uh, we can say that, you know, if the flame is lit, you can light up other flames. But until it is lit and we are still groping in darkness. So, this is what we see, the whole purport of shift that takes place during Karmi Yogin. He says, it's not like we have to, we continue in darkness and start either throwing bombs or we start, you know, distributing pamphlets or take uh, marches and andulans, revolutions. Um, Freedom will still come because it is destined. It doesn't matter. Somebody will become an instrument. God will ensure that the buddhi of everybody works like that. And obviously the man of the moment will take a credit. But it's not because of him. Rather I would say in spite of him. So for example we see too often people speak about Shobindo and Gandhi's views. Say for instance with regard to Hindu Muslim. And we see in Karmi Yogin, Shurabindo touches upon this, several places he has touched upon. In evening talks he says, how do you conciliate with a religion which believes in fanaticism and believes that it is exclusive? So it's so true that, you know, it is not like you may want, 
you may be vast enough but if the other person is not ready to conciliate he only believes in destroying another to survive then how do you conciliate with that yet shirobindo tries to give away in one of the biographies of shirobindo it was mentioned he didn't give sufficient thought to the hindu muslim problem but shirobindo was well aware of the dangers and the difficulties and so he gave uh, one of the uh, places He writes. Just one second. There's another set of papers which I need to take out. Have I left that paper? Yes, here it is. So, in one of the essays or articles, he writes. Of one thing, we may be certain. Again, it looks contemporary. It looks like it has been written yesterday. of one thing we may be certain that hindu mohammedan unity cannot be affected by political adjustments or congress flatteries it looks like he is writing yesterday and this exactly unfortunately the line we followed what shubhendra has cautioned you cannot do it either by flattery or by appeasement so how do we really do it he says very interestingly it must be sought deeper down in the heart and the mind for where the causes of disunion are there the remedies must be sought we shall do well in trying to solve the problem to remember that misunderstanding is the most fruitful cause of our differences that love compels love and that strength conciliates the strong another place also he says that you know you can't um, be a weak person and then you know you try to conciliate the strong you they'll run over you and i remember one once very beautifully our previous president abdul kalam he had given a talk on what his vision of india 2020 was so i happened to be present in that meeting and he started by very his you know characteristic of him he just turned to the board with a chalk and wrote strength respects strength the upanishad and <laughs> you you know <laughs> that's how he started the whole thing and he said that if india doesn't uh, grow in strength it cannot uh, you know expect others to listen to the gospel of non violence and other things so he is very clear that yes love should be the ultimate note but when you are meeting with people who are of a certain disposition who are quick to fight ready to then you have to be strong we must strive to remove the causes of misunderstanding by better mutual knowledge and sympathy we need to understand each other there is no doubt about it you can't be living in neighbors and continue to fight <laughs> forever so there there should be an understanding and sympathy we must extend the unfaltering love of the patriot to our musliman brother remembering always that in him to narayana dwells and to him to our mother has given a permanent place in a bosom so that's a fact he constantly writes even in uh, early writings he has mentioned that the kind of idea of um, you know this becoming a hindu rashtra he says it was relevant during the time of shivaji but now the fact is that you can't do away that there is a you know substantial 
Muslim population. You can't just do away. You can't wish away and say this is going to be a Hindu Rashtra. But at the same time, you have to ensure. That's what he says. That is the only, in a certain sense, a Hindu thought-based kingdom. So he gives a solution that a larger Hindu idea governing the entire people who are living together. That's how the uh, the larger idea of Sanatan Dharma. That's what. Uh, that's the solution he gives. So here he says that yes, you must understand that the mother has given permanent place to him in the bosom. But we must cease to approach him falsely or flatter out of his selfish weakness and cowardice. So it doesn't mean giving reservations. It doesn't mean, you know, all the subsidies specifically to appease, to make them turn into vote banks. So he's very clear that while you have to see Narayana in everyone, but appeasement, flattery, weakness, cowardice, this is not going to help. This is going to make things worse. This is written in 1909 and it is so strange that 100 years down the line leaders didn't understand this truth and now the problem you know has become what it is. We don't know if Shobindo was to ask today probably he'll give a very different solution at, at one point of time when KM Munshi asked him. So that was another thing that Shobindo's passages there are people who pick up passages from here and there and make it as absolute. Shobindo himself later on when some of his writings from the Karmi Ogin were being published he said it's, it represents my earlier views. When KM Munshi in 1948 or around that period visited Shobindo when he was not meeting anyone and yet, Shurvindo gave an interview to him. And he asked him about the, just after independence, he asked him about the division and the, you know, uh, problem that has come because of India and Pakistan. So, Shurvindo's answer was very categorical. He said, Pakistan has been created by falsehood, farce and fraud. Three words he used. And by whatever means, it has to go. The division has to go. And he's used the word by whatever means. The mother later speaks about the war. And everything was set for their conquest. They had marched up to Karachi. And literally the messages that the boys were sending back in 1971 war that we are planning to have our lunch at Karachi. And yet there was a ceasefire at that point of time. Subsequently, the mother spoke of Pakistan splitting into five parts. It has something to do with the Hindu-Muslim problem. One of the reasons why the Indian Muslim is unable to fully integrate because it feels supported by the next-door brethren. The moment he knows that no, now I am part of the country, then spontaneously, if there is a neighborhood even in normal life, if your next-door neighbor is supporting a faction within a house, then the chances are that the unity will not come because there is somebody out there who is fanning, stroking the fire. So, we believe this to be the only practical way of dealing with the difficulty. Practical way. As a political question, the Hindu-Mohammedan problem does not interest us at all. As a national problem, it is of supreme importance. We shall make it a main part of our work to place Muhammad and Islam in a new light before our readers. So neither he is saying that, you know, that approach where you try to, uh, you know, demolish and destroy, just denigrate, just the way, you know, they tend to do it. That's not the approach. Bring out the best in Muhammad and Islam. To spread just the views of Muhammadan history and civilization, to appreciate the read 
to appreciate Musalman's place in our national development and the means of harmonizing his communal life with our own, not ignoring the difficulties that stand in our way, but making the most of the possibilities of brotherhood and mutual understanding. Intellectual sympathy can only draw together. The sympathy of the heart can alone unite. But the one is a good preparation for the other. And at some point of time, this used to be the kind of culture. I think many of us have, at least I have grown up in that kind of approach. Even though there was a section which will riot and there would be so much of chaos. But still there was a kind of, some kind of sympathy. But over decades, mainly because of, you know, appeasement, then terrorism, then Kashmir problem. All this has, you know, fanned the whole thing. And several places he has, of course, written. But in nine months' time, all the major issues of Indian politics of the future of India should be that foreseen and um, written in very clear light. And then he speaks about God's ways. And as I was saying that um, this was in response to a newspaper article which would say, what is this Shurbindu is all the time speaking about God, God, God. What has God to do with the freedom movement? So the idea was God, the, of a secular concept where God has his place, it's a matter of the heart and not a matter of life. So Shurbindu writes in one of the columns, when it is said that God's ways are inscrutable, it is simply meant that man's reason on which the Bengali lays so much stress, Bengali is a newspaper, and even that time, there was this uh, intellectual hyper-analytical thought. So he says that it lays so much stress, is not always sufficient to estimate at the time the object he has in a particular dispensation of calamity or defeat. He is the divine. He says, um, at a given point of time when we are meeting with a calamity, we don't know that what has been foreseen and worked out for us. So, and it is only afterwards that the light of reason looking backwards is able, by the illumination of subsequent events, to understand his, with a capital H, his doings. So, when we speak about reason from, on the basis of this data, we do not know the events that are going to unfold. So, we are presuming that this is what God has done and this is what is going to happen. But if you could see the chain of events that follows... And then look back, we will see a new logic in the whole thing. So these missing links, our reason cannot supply because reason cannot foresee. Therefore, we must have faith. So how do we deal with life? Reason cannot foresee. With all the reason we can apply, it cannot foresee. In hindsight, we can draw a chain of logical events. Which is a different thing altogether. But it cannot foresee things. So we have to make always a leap of faith and an invincible faith or else the calamities will be too great for our courage and endurance. So why would calamities come? Because if we don't have faith, we are just you know trying to apply some reason. Maybe we'll say that this is not possible, end up with again, once again the moderate approach and this is going to be calamitous. Is this a false doctrine or a fatal doctrine? Those days, some of the newspapers were saying that Shurbindo's insistence on faith in God is a fatal doctrine. It will lead us to a, you know, we should use reason, try to battle with reason. So he says, will the country be injured by it or held by it? 
Now he is because he is writing in the newspaper column. It's Shiva Bindu's own writing, but he is writing in a third person. So this part of his speech, Sri Jut Aurobindo never said that God would step in to fill the place of Sri Jut Ashwini Datta or others removed from the arena. But there is something else he is saying. His position, his means Shurabindo's position, his position was that God has been driving on the movement from the beginning and was always the leader when they were with us and remains the leader when they are taken from us. What a sobering and humbling truth to remember for all our life. That this idea that I am the doer, from there comes this ignorance. If this person was to go away, everything will collapse. This is ignorance. He says, it's not that, and people say, oh, if this person goes away, who will fill the place? That's not relevant. He will ensure that the whole thing goes the way he wants it to go, through the means, instruments and persons he will eventually bring. This false idea of being important is an illusion. And then he continues um, and says, It is strange to find a philosopher like our contemporary, again he is speaking of another newspaper, parading in this 20th century the ancient and hollow platitude that such a doctrine, however true, ought not to be applied to individual conduct because it will abrogate morality and personal responsibility. Uh, how uh, he is saying that you know God is doing everything. So if you apply that, then it will abrogate personal morality. This is a strange answer too, to an argument which simply sought to confirm the faith and endurance of a people in calamity by the belief that our confidence in our future was not mistaken and that these calamities were necessary for God's high purpose. Because people use this God is doing everything and he will fulfill his purpose means there is no personal responsibility. Means I can act immorally or any which way. So he's saying that's not what is meant by it. So what is meant by it? The wisdom and love of God in turning our evil into his good does not absolve us of our moral responsibility. So again, you know, he is setting the whole thing right. Our contemporary shows this want of connection between the two positions himself. When he asks whether one should not in that case play the traitor in order to assist the progress of the tendency. This is how people say ultimately God is doing. So what does it matter? Whatever I do. So Shivinda says, Our selfish or sinful acts, our persistence in ignorance or perversity are for the best in this obvious sense that God makes out of them excellent <laughs> material for the work he is about which always tends to the good of humanity. This is the only thing that will happen is, you, Duryodhana has played the dice the wrong way. But actually it has ended up in cascading the events towards ultimately Yudhishthir becoming the uh, Nishkantak Rajya. Otherwise there was a division, Indraprasth and Hastinapur. So the game of dice was to dethrone, snatch away even that from Yudhishthir. And God allowed, he said, okay, now I have a chance of reclaiming the whole thing. And through that process, those champions of dharma and strength who nobody could de defeat in a battle, Bhishma and Drone, they were all morally weakened. And that helped in the war. 
But if the game of dice was not there and it was at some point battle or you know ultimately things would have brewn up and if there was a battle Bhishma would have had no moral reason to be weak he would have just decimated nothing could have been done so God fulfills but he is not saying be like a Duryodhana be like a Dusashna because it will fulfill God's purpose so the difference is even your extreme evil he will use for his purpose but that does not mean that you indulge in evil and be like a Duryodhana because it doesn't matter so he's reminding us these subtle truths. And then he gives um, an example. The persecution of Christianity by the powers of the ancient world was utterly evil, but it was for the best. Without it, there could not have been the noble reaction of sublime and exalted suffering which finally permeated the human mind with the impulse of sacrifice for high ideals. So this is what he meant by Christ from his cross humanized Europe. But if you look at it, it took 1000 years plus. Inquisitions were when? 1300 AD. So if you really look at it, around that time it took 1500 years for Christianity to even really touch that cord which Christ was trying to bring in. And now of course there is talk about, you know, liberal thought, some kindness, uh, all these things are now. But at a point of time, the price was paid with blood. And by introducing it, a mental soil fit for the growth of altruism sowed the seeds of love, sweetness and humanity in that hard, selfish, lust-ridden European world. <laughs> the Bengali, no doubt, would have counseled the Christian martyrs. We can see the touch of humor. Not to be so rash and unreasoning, but to demand from God a balance of profit and loss for each individual sacrifice. And only after mature deliberation decide whether to obey the voice of God in their conscience or offer flowers to Venus and divine homage to Nero. So, <laughs> this is how. And finally, just to close this, he speaks about you know what's happening in Europe and India. But in Europe and India alike, we seem to stand on the threshold of a vast revolution, political, social and religious. Whatever nation now is the first to solve the problems which are threatening to hammer governments, create societies into pieces, all the world over, will lead the world in the age that is coming. That is how constantly we see that drift. God is in the forefront. Whatever is happening, even the hammering, the divisions, is for a greater world to come. It is necessary that she should be capable of unsparing revolution. So when God hammers the world, there should be the impulse to change and change fast. It applies to individual and collective groups, institutions and of course nation. When we are not ready to change, then there is the path of disintegration. This is impossible to England. It is not impossible to India. She has in her, she India, something demonic, demonic the voice, the inner voice, not the demonic. She has something of that. Volcanic, elemental, she can rise above conventions, she can break through formalities and prejudices, but she will not do so unless she is sure that she has God's command to do it. Unless the avatar descends and leads. So that's why we see when mother and Shurabindo set a completely new yardstick. 
if the mother would not have said the age of religions is over you have to rise beyond the gods at least in india it would have been impossible how can it be even now people you know think about it but she when but when the avatar does it when you know shurbindu says something so india has that impulsion it will follow it cannot be by an intellectual doctrine and then of course toward the end shubindu has we know that karmyogin lasted just for about 9 months and then shubindu moved to other fields his sudden departure to chandanagar and all kinds of news started floating and people were aware that they, he has a developed a deep spiritual tendency and therefore he the news that went around was he is gone to the himalayas where he is meeting some of the mahatmas you see one of the poems shubindu later on wrote about mahatmas kutmi so he is interviewing them he is seeking a way and he has left this field that is how for a long time people kept believing that he has left but he had not left he had done what he had to do and then he left and left for some much greater work so shubindu when he leaves he leaves a note which of course uh, probably he wrote and left it or he sent it from Chand- from chandanagar and we'll just read it and stop with that we are greatly astonished to learn from the local press that shurbindo ghosh has disappeared from calcutta and is now interviewing the mahatmas in tibet we are ourselves shubindu is writing we are ourselves unaware of this mysterious disappearance <laughs> is <laughs> something very amazing about shurbindu with all these things going on the british government after him you know all kinds of misgivings and yet he is the touch of humor as a matter of fact sijuth aurobindo is in our midst which is a fact which continued right up to today and if he is doing any astral business with kutmi kutmi is one of the mahatmas you know which is part of the theosophical society and if he is doing any astral business with kutumi or any of the other great rishis the fact is unknown to his other koshas <laughs> shubindu was asked once in uh, evening talks that i believe there are uh, some rishis from ancient times who are helping in your work this exactly based on all these reports which were you know being circulated in the newspaper so shubindu says at least i am not aware of it <laughs> the vedic rishi is taking birth for a purpose is a different thing like duman bai said he is a vedic rishi but not like sitting in himalayas they are assisting his work only as he requires perfect solitude and freedom for, from disturbance for his sadhana for some time his address is being kept a strict secret this is the only foundation for the remarkable rumor with the vigorous imagination of a local contemporary has set floating for similar reasons he is unable to engage in journalistic works and dharma has been entrusted to other hands so dharma was the other bengali magazine we'll read about it next time so this is the last document which shubindu writes there are several other pieces which he wrote ourselves and open letter to my countrymen they are wonderful documents so when we look at shubindu's life and the transition that has taken place 
we can see that there is a rapid shift not just an ordinary shift and this is what we learn from sure one of the thing many things we learn and one of the things is how he and mother i must say how they could drop completely away of life for moving into the future when i look at mother's life same thing i see probably at a much larger scale living i mean shubhendra is in pondicherry still you know one is used to that weather and all the mother leaving france japan and continuing to live then she would remain in isolation most of the time then work demands 1926 shubhendra gives us the charge she starts stepping out then there is a time in 1946 when children have come that then she becomes deeply engaged with the work 51 to 58 she takes classes 8 years and then suddenly she steps into the background once again 62 onwards she doesn't come down because now it's a different work and different field it is so amazing how she could just pick up an activity take it up because it's needed for the work including playing tennis this was necessary for the physical consciousness to open up to in, infuse this even the physical culture today we see so much in the world it's because of that so they had this ability to pick up something and do what is to be done and then let time manifest it and then step into other fields which are connected with the work so shubhin those stepping back from this work journalistic work and then moving to pondicherry was one such act and he had done what had to be done he was sure of the freedom now people time instrument events had to just uh, unfold the whole thing and then he had to work in other fields and by extension we may say that shubhendra was stepping behind the scene in 1950 and the mother in 1973 has a absolutely similar meaning because they had done for the earth for the body while staying in earth what had to be done and now they are working in a very different way in many many levels many planes which of which we are not even aware so all that we can say is gratitude 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 namaste